Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. But to me, songs are one of the things that connect us through tradition from one generation to the next. That's really what traditions are. They're just things that we do in families, in friend groups that allow for us to connect from one generation to the next. And I think about the traditions of my family. They're probably similar to some of you, maybe, maybe not exactly the same for others. But I remember when I was a little kid, you know, the things that we would do around Christmas time and so many different things that that included. But one of the things was the singing of songs. I remember my mom's family, we would go to visit them, and they're, they're all really musical. They write music and play all kinds of instruments. And so when we would sing around the piano there in my grandparents' house, it sounded a lot like that right there, just a lot of harmonies and just singing, and it was beautiful. And, and so I still hear the sound of some of those songs in my ears and in my mind as I think back and reflect back with memories of those times. And And then we would travel over to my dad's side of the family, and they too had some musical talent. They would sing, and my grandfather would would usually play the guitar at least for one or two songs, and we would sing Silent Night and Away in a Manger and Oh Come All You Faithful. And my brother and I got a little older. My brother started playing the guitar before I started playing the guitar, and so then he would start to play my grandfather's old guitar as we would sing these songs together. And it was tradition. And tradition is something that does kind of change and morph depending on the ages of your kids and stage of life and circumstances of life. I recognize that. Not everybody has the same. And even those that you had before, maybe you don't have any more. Corey and I, we now have traditions with our kids. It seems like, and maybe this is not true in your family, but it seems like in our family, our kids, like the first time we ever did something, they wanted to make it a tradition we had to do every year after that. So it was like one year, you know, we went to see Christmas lights at this one house and they loved it. And so it's like, oh, remember, that's what we do every year. And it's like, well, now those people have moved. They don't live there anymore. And those people don't put Christmas. Now the police have been called because we're just sitting outside of a random house, you know, and I'm kidding. But one of the things that we do now that our kids are a little older, something that we have done, we, we always have worship together on Christmas Eve. Even before Generations Church offered a Christmas Eve service, we would go as a family to a Christmas Eve service at another church and just really kind of recenter ourselves, even for our children at a very young age, around what it is that we're celebrating. That even though there's nothing wrong at all with gifts and family and food and all the fun and the tree and all the stuff, that the reason that we're celebrating Christmas is the baby born into that manger. And so we always would come together and we would worship together at a Christmas Eve service. And then what we would do is we would go to Little Caesars and we would pick up a pizza after that. And we'd all get in the car, and we'd get these glass Coke bottles or Sprite bottles, and we would go and we would look at Christmas lights. And for those that don't have a tradition, if you're looking to start a new one, we've already called. The Riverstone Little Caesars is open until 8 tonight. (laughs) So after our 5 o'clock service, we're going to go by and pick up some pizza and go look at Christmas lights and then go home. So it's just tradition. It's just the things that we do to bring us together. But so much of our tradition centers around music centers around songs and singing. And I don't know why, but this year, Silent Night has, has been the song that's just kind of been in my heart and in my soul as I've anticipated our time together today. If you're familiar with the story of the song of Silent Night, it was really written in two parts. It was written in Austria, and it was written, the lyrics first, the, the, the words that were singing were written there in 1816. And those lyrics were really just a a lyrical poem for two years before an Austrian organist put melody to it. He actually took the lyrics that had been written and he put 
music to those lyrics and made a song. But the first time that it was ever sung publicly was, was at a cathedral on Christmas Eve in the, the Christmas Eve of 1818 when that organist didn't play the organ, he played the guitar and he sang the words that we've sung together today of Silent Night. And I think about that song and I think about the words of that song and I think about how that song connects us back to the events of the scripture and how those events unfolded in the words that we just heard. That was another tradition in our family. My grandfather would take a big Bible that was probably two or three times the size of this Bible and he'd lay it on his lap and he would move up to the edge of the seat of his recliner and he would read to us the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And so if we think about the words that are taking place there on that silent night, it's a powerful picture. And my hope is that our familiarity with the story doesn't rob us of the meaning of the story and the events that took place on that hillside that night for those shepherds, because it was a silent night. Now, I I don't go camping a lot. Maybe, Maybe some of you are big campers, and I think even on those silent nights out in the countryside, there's still some noise. There's some chirping and some ruffling of the feathers and of, of, the, of the leaves, and, and you're trying to figure out, like, does that sound dangerous? Do I need to go get into my car? Or You're trying to figure But those shepherds, they would have been familiar with all the noises, and even with those sounds, it truly was a silent night. Beyond just the few times I've been camping and heard some noise, I've also had some noisy nights. Anybody ever had some really noisy nights in your life? Yeah, I have. I remember when my brother and I were growing up, I've got one brother. He's a little over two years younger than me. And so when we were growing up, one of the things that we liked to do once we got a little older is we liked to try to what we called pull an all-nighter, you know, where we tried to show how big and tough we were by staying up all night. And really, one of the only ways that you could pull an all-nighter was to keep a lot of noise going, because if it got quiet and you got still, you got sleepy and you fell asleep. And one of the worst things that could happen is you're the first one to fall asleep when you're trying to pull an all-nighter. And so we had to keep it really noisy, and we had to stay active, and that was, that was a noisy kind of night. But I also remember when Corey and I had kids, you know, it seems like little babies and toddlers, infants, they, they wait until you get good and asleep, and then they start making a lot of noise, right? It's just, it's the noisy nights of that season of time. I remember one time when our kids were a little older, they had now preschool, grade school age, and I remember, you know, they, one of them got like the stomach bug, which I just think is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. And then the second one that same night got the stomach bug. And then the third one got the stomach bug, same, same night. And then the fourth one got, when the fourth one threw up, I said to Corey, I was like, I'm going to a hotel. I'll see you tomorrow. And she said, if you leave this house, don't come back. That was a noisy, noisy night. But there've also some, been some silent nights. Nights where you just kind of laid awake thinking, trying to process the emotion of maybe something that's overwhelming you, trying to determine how or what or why you're able to, how you're going to make it out of whatever it is that you're walking through. There's some circumstances that seem beyond your control and you're just not sure how you're going to make it. And when I think about the silent night of the shepherds, I actually think it's amazing that the heavens opened and the angel declares that we didn't have to be afraid, they didn't have to be afraid that there was good news of great joy for all the people, that unto them, unto us now, a Savior had been born. And that would have been powerful in and of itself, except that it wasn't just a silent night, it had been a silent season. Because before the angel declared that good news to the shepherds, 
It had been 300 years since God had spoken to his people. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament, and, and I love the way that the Bible is constructed. And in fact, what we're going to do as a church family is we're going to read the Bible through in 2024 together. Beginning next week, you're going to get a reading guide, and we're going to start on January the 1st, and we're going to make it as easy for you as we can. You can read the Bible through in 12 minutes a day. And I think most of us have at least 12 minutes a day that we've been doing other stuff, filling our time, that we could just read the Bible. And so we're going to commit to do that together. And I've told our staff, I'd love for 150 people or more in our church family to read the Bible cover to cover. I believe it will impact you in ways you cannot even imagine. So we're going to do that because I love the way the Bible is constructed. And so when I think about that and I kind of look from the angel in Luke chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 2 speaking to God's people and you go all the way back to the Old Testament in the way that it's constructed, the book of Nehemiah is actually the last events of the Old Testament, but the major and minor prophets of the Old Testament are laid out after some of the story pieces. And so the book of Malachi actually records for us the last spoken words of God to his people through the prophet. It says this in Malachi chapter 4. Verses five and six, it says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Aren't you glad you came for that today? Merry Christmas. But you have these words that are spoken, and again, just the beauty, the richness of scripture, earlier in Malachi chapter four, it speaks of Moses and the law. And now we have the prophet Elijah that's being declared that he would come. And so that's really important because Moses and the law really signify or indicate the beginning portions of the Old Testament. The prophet Elijah is uh, really a, a figurative, he's a real person, but he's a figurative piece to kind of represent the prophets of the Old Testament. And so we see that these two individuals, they met with God individually, Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 on Mount Sinai. And then when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration in the Gospels, we see that Moses and Elijah appeared there at the Mount of Transfiguration. So there's this beautiful picture of kind of all of Scripture coming together here in Malachi chapter 4. And the words that are spoken here is like, hey, the prophet Elijah is coming, and that's important because he's going to be the remedy to the destruction that is imminent for all of humanity. He remedies that situation, and he turns the heart of the fathers to their children, the heart of the children to their fathers. There's this coming prophet, Elijah. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, hey, who do men, who do people say that I am? Like, what's my reputation around town? And Peter, who was often the first one to speak up, he's the first guy to respond. And he says, well, some say that you're John the Baptist and others say that you're the prophet Elijah. Jesus turns it on them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God, the prophet Elijah. This was, people were trying to figure out like, who is Jesus and what do we think he is and who do we think he is? He's a prophet. Maybe he's the reincarnation of one of the Old Testament prophets. And so you have This Malachi passage that says, hey, there is a coming prophet. There is a coming solution to the pending destruction. And so now there's 300 years of silence. It was kind of the last time that God spoke to his people. And so if you've ever walked through a quiet day, you've ever walked through a time when you were praying, but you weren't sure that God was listening, you were crying out to God, but you weren't sure that he was responding and you didn't know what to do, you can identify with some of those people in that season of this intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then all of the sudden the heavens open up and the angel declares, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of destruction. Don't be afraid of bad things. Don't be afraid of all the things that you can't understand and the uncertainty and the anxiety that's coming. Don't be afraid. I've got good news. You want some good news? You can have joy. You can have joy. You can be filled with hope even in the midst of circumstances that you may not fully understand. And it's not just for you and it's not just for me. It is for all the people, this good news of great joy. And that good news that brings great joy is that unto us, a Savior has been born. And I'm so thankful for the message of Christmas that unto us a Savior has been born and that after this silent night and this silent season that the voice of God spoke again. And the words that were spoken to the shepherds are spoken to you today. No matter what you're walking through, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. After our first service this morning, I was able to pray with someone in our lobby who said, I'm just walking through a season and I just don't know what to do. I'm so afraid. I've been there. Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you're there right now. But let me just remind you, don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy for all the people that unto us a child is born. And his name shall be called Jesus, right? He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is with you even in the midst of your uncertainty, even in the midst of not knowing what to do or how to do it. He's with you in every single season of your life. He is with us, and so we don't have to be afraid. But it seems like nighttime sometimes are the worst, aren't they? Not just for little children who are scared of the dark or scared of monsters, Nighttime seems to be the time that our minds race. The noise of this world seems to be kind of farther away from our ears and farther away from our hearts, and we're left to our own thoughts, and the darkness of the night tends to play tricks on us. And that's why I'm so thankful for this message of Christmas, this message of hope that's available to all of us because a Savior was born And that Savior would grow up, and here's what he said about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Even when you feel like you're in a dark place, he's the light of the world. The Savior is light to darkness. So the Christmas story reminds us that silent nights are replaced by the Christmas light. That you and I don't have to be afraid of dark nights anymore because of the light Christmas. So if you're living through a silent night right now, can I tell you something that I hope will change your entire perspective, your entire outlook on life? The silent night that you're living in right now, perhaps, it's not the first one in history. Maybe again, you lay your head on the pillow at night and you don't know how you're going to make it. The doctor called and said they want to run more tests after the Christmas holiday and now you're left for nights on end wondering what that might mean. Maybe you lay your head on the pillow at night and it's the silence that just stirs you up and creates all kind of fear in your life and in your heart, anxiousness and worry, because you know the bills that are due. You know you've worked all the overtime you can. You've applauded every job you possibly could, and you just don't know where provision's going to come from, and it just leaves you in the silence of the night wondering what's going to happen. There's brokenness in your family. You know you've got to see them perhaps in the days ahead. There's a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad, and there's hurt there. There's some things that have caused strife and brokenness, and you just don't know. And so you're left in the silence of those nights to wonder what is going to happen when you finally see 
one another. Again, it's those silent nights. You're not the only one that's ever walked through days like that. You're not the only one that's ever lived through nights like that. You're not the only one that's ever cried yourself to sleep at night in moments like that. And, and here's the great reminder too. The shepherds on that silent night, that wasn't the first silent night. It wasn't the first dark night in history either. Genesis chapter one, verses two through five says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. I think one of the most beautiful things about scripture is that the very first sound recorded in the Bible was the voice of God speaking light into darkness. The very first sound that is recorded in scripture is God's voice. And so wherever you find yourself today in the silent night, in the darkness that you're walking through, God's voice can come in and change your circumstances in a split second. He can speak into those circumstances and change what you're walking through. So if you find yourself there today, take comfort in knowing that God is with you, Emmanuel. It's not just a Christmas story. It is the great hope for humanity. That the message of the angel was that you don't have to be afraid and there's good news. And the Savior that was born is with you. Night becomes light at the sound of his voice. Night becomes light at the sound of his voice. Darkness is a real thing. It's a real thing. And so if you find yourself there today, I'm so sorry. But you know what else is real? The light of the world. No matter how dark the night is, it won't be night forever. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You don't have to stay in darkness. You don't have to stay in weeping. Because of Christmas, we have hope. Because of Christmas, we have joy. For every single one of us. My pastor used to say it this way. Christ followers should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. Like it should change our perspective. I know that you've walked a rough road perhaps, or maybe you find yourself in a really great season, but the light of the world, the hope of Jesus Christ, the joy that's available to us should come out of who we are and shine into the darkest places of this world. That's the message of Christmas, that all of us get to take part in the story of Christmas and shine the light to those who are in need. And that's my hope for you this Christmas season. My hope for you is that even if you've walked through or are walking through some silent nights and some dark places, that the light of the world would shine into your heart, change your circumstances, fill you with hope, fill you with joy, and that the words of God, his word that he gives to us through the scriptures, the community of faith and the fellowship of believers, the family that you can be a part of here at Generations Church, that you would be encouraged and strengthened to know you don't have to walk by yourself. And there may be moments where you are the one strengthening somebody else. And there also may be moments when you are strengthened by someone else. So I'm so thankful that you would come and be a part of this Christmas Eve gathering. But my hope is that we would take the spirit of Christmas with us as we leave this place. And that beyond the gifts and beyond the things, that we would experience the true hope and joy that's available to all of us in this Christmas season. Here's how I want us to close part of our time together. We've still got one or two other things we're gonna do. I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head right where you're at. Nobody's looking around, just a moment of reflection. 
you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know I am not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I need him to forgive my sins and to be my Lord. If that's you today, we want you to give you the opportunity to respond to the incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand right where you are. I wanna pray for you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. And now if you would say, Jeremy, for me, I just got some dark places in my life, dark places in my family. I'm walking through some silent night kind of season, and I just need the hope that you're describing. I just need the light to shine into those dark places. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. There's a lot of us today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the Savior that came in the form of a baby. So God, today we pray for every single person that's lifted their hand to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, would you save them, forgive them of their sins, and be their Lord. And if that's you today and you lifted your hand with every other head bowed, I'm just going to encourage you, just pray that prayer to God. Just say, God, be my Lord, forgive my sins. Once you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's enough. And we celebrate with heaven now for the decision that you're making. God, I pray now for every person that's acknowledged there's just some dark places in their life and in their heart, circumstances in their family perhaps. Lord, would you just be the light of their life? God, would they experience hope and joy again? God, would you do what only you can do and change that circumstance? Be present. Let them feel your presence in this Christmas season. God, we thank you in advance for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.